Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of Gerard, Evolution of a Revolution. This is the show in which we look back over Stephen Gerrard's journey from being rookie boss at Rangers to being the undefeated 55 winning champion. My name's David Edgar and joining me as always is Stevie Clifford. Good afternoon Stephen. Hi David, excited to be at this point in the series. Yes, uh, it's uh, a very, very exciting time. For those of you who've been following the season, uh, the season and the season, we all did. I mean, that, that's kind of why we're here. Um, we left it off last week after a 2-2 draw with Hibs. Now, that meant Rangers had a good start, two draws in our opening eight games. A few murmurs of discontent. Not as many after Hibs as after Livingston, it's fair to say. But for some in the support, there was this lingering feeling of, we've seen this, this is what we do. We start the season quite well, we drop some silly points, and then as it gets further, we lose a bit of form, Celtic gain a bit of momentum, and we start to accumulate pressure on ourselves rather than on them. Now, there were a couple of things looking back, and as Stevie and I say throughout this, it's easy with hindsight, and it's also fun, and that's why we're doing this show, because we know how it ends. But in this case, Stevie, there's a couple of things to look at. First of all, that element of, if you like, the Corporal Jones, we're all doomed thing. Now, we've spoken about it briefly in, in previous years as we've been going through this show, and one of the things I would say that we felt is that perhaps it was the last 10 years really had affected a lot of us in terms of we'd become so used to if we feared something bad was happening we were usually right so for those who took the approach and then there were plenty uh, for those who took the approach of 
look, we know how this is going to go. Nothing's changed. This is the same thing. You guys are just accepting failure if you're not prepared to see what's going to happen here. It is understandable, I think. But you and I have been accused in the past of being uh, somewhat over-optimistic. Uh, great word that, that was used on, on Heart and Hand. Uh, someone said I was Panglossian, which I totally agree with. And that is that we were always saying, well, you, you, you never know, right? Okay, but here are the good things. It was a choice. It was it was Schrodinger's point in the season. Yes, you could say that, well, look, everything's going pretty well. We're doing well in Europe. You know, the side's playing some great stuff. And they were also entitled to say, yes, but we've seen this before. We do this. And when push comes to shove, we know what happens every time. And it's not going to be any different this year. Is that just something, a consequence, if you like? Is that thing just a consequence of the 10 years that we'd had before that? Yeah, I think so. I think that if the results were similar this season, I don't think there would be that level of... I wouldn't say panic's the right word, but that level of resignation to the situation because, like you said, there was a lot of people resigned to the fact that, well, here we go again. And I think that's definitely battle scars of, of what we've seen before. Whereas I think if this happened this year, it would be a case of, right, well, setbacks happen, we're still on the right path, you know, etc. I think it would be easier because that burden now is gone, David, in terms of, of that pressure to... To, to return the title so I mean it, you know we're sitting here saying that but we both know that if we if we don't beat Partick Thistle on Monday there'll be a nuclear explosion yes so this is Rangers this is the pressure in the in the life that we that we, we lead under but I definitely think that when you look at the Hibs game I remember even people saying to me online that if we didn't beat Motherwell in the next game that would be it over so that that's the pressure of of what we of or a consequence rather of the of the last ten years, I suppose. But the the team, you know, the team did respond magnificently, and and mm. and what also happened as a as a consequence of what we were doing is that over the road in the coming weeks, not immediately, but in the coming weeks after we played them, they began to dismantle themselves. Yeah. So when that happened, and we began to kick on, we 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 ticked off little tiny milestones everywhere as we'll as we'll discuss. But the thing about the Hibs game was, David, I think we were all angry because we, we should have won that game. We covered it on the last show. There was a couple of really big misses. There was a couple of poor goals conceded, etc. So there was that point of saying, well, you know, it's not like, it wasn't like the Livingston game where we didn't create enough and it wasn't a low block, etc. This is just one of these games that happened. So against a decent side. Um, yeah, Hibs, yeah, Hibs, you know, Hibs gave us probably the toughest games we had in the season. I, I would agree. Consistently over the season, Hibs were, uh, were our, our toughest opponents. Uh, what I would say as well, there's a couple of things I want to, to bring into the, the equation right now. In terms of this, you know, you're over-optimistic, you're under-optimistic, there are two ways of dealing with something, because this is a sport that we are all overly invested in. Okay, say that right now. This is not normal that we derive so much of our identity and happiness and joy and we get so down about something we have zero control over, right? This is 11 men away kicking a ball in a field (laughs) once a week or twice a week. So there is uh, an illogical thing at the heart of any football fan. So 
what we try to do is ways to rationalise it, get on with it in our minds, and also things like coping strategies. Um, for Stevie and I, we're very similar personalities. We are optimistic. We will look for the good. That's naturally who we are as people. I would say in any situation, you and I tend to say, okay, right, well, what can we do about it? Right, oh, well, what's the good things we can build on? But for other people, especially people who'd gone through, the, as I say, this pain, what they were doing was almost preparing themselves for it, which was, I know what's going to happen and I'm not going to be fooled again, as the Who said. I'm going to make sure that I'm ready for it when it comes. I always think with football fans that something called the, the what I call the, the Hugh Keevens, when every year he predicts that Rangers will win the league, doesn't matter if we had like four players um, at the time, he always does it. And the reason that people do that and they predict them is then if they're wrong, then it doesn't matter because they're quite happy. Rangers have won the league. Or in Keevan's case, Celtic have won the league. Uh, and that, that, so you don't mind being wrong. In fact, you're quite happy you were wrong. And if you're not wrong and things are rubbish, then you get to at least say, well, I told you so. The reason I've never found that an attractive thing is that one, everybody knows why you're doing it, right? And two, it doesn't make me feel any better to say, I told you so, if Rangers haven't won the league. It doesn't make me feel any better. And expecting the kick in the balls has never really made the kick in the balls feel any less painful to me when it arrives. So I tend to just, rather than waste time worrying about things, I tend to be kind of quite optimistic and quite like, not not stupidly, I don't think. I don't, you know, sit here and say after we've beaten a side in the opening round of the Europa League qualifiers that we're going to win it. <laughs> but I, I do think that there's a balance to be had. But I do understand why people do it because it is a coping strategy for what, as I say, at the end of the day is probably a pretty illogical thing if you analysed it. Yeah, but I agree. I think the coping strategy is the best terminology I would use for it because I never go to a game. I never sit down to watch Rangers. I, I never, I never do it and think to myself, right? You know, we're we're going to get thrashed, or we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. I always sit and think, right? Well, we're maybe, you know, it's Barcelona away. We're maybe not going to get this. We're maybe not going to win. But I, I want to see how far we've come. Like I want to see where we are as a team. So that's how I look at things. I, I try and take the, the positive out of, of everything. So we've got Arsenal coming up in, in a few weeks, for example, and I know that Arsenal play really good, fluent football and everything else. And But we're at home and I'd, I'd fancy myself against any of them. So I'm really looking forward to it. And that's how I, I, I go, David. That's you know We've got the league coming up. I, I expect us to win a treble. I'm hoping for a treble. That why why start off thinking anything other than than what we we should be doing? I don't know if it's a a folly thing in terms of setting myself up for a fall. You know, I I was I suppose when you look back in the last few years when we first got up on uh, under Warburton and things, I was looking at the cup run and the, the victories over Celtic and Dundee and things and thinking that we could challenge. So I suppose when you look at it that way, that, that yeah, that that isn't. And that isn't the best philosophy as such, but I, I don't believe that looking at things negatively ever ever really helps, especially when it's Rangers. We're all supposed to be, you know, in love with our club and, and positive. And I do think it is definitely, again, as you said, a, a self-defence mechanism and also 
I, I really believe that this is as battle scars of, of 10 years when we, when we have had it tough. Mm. But I do believe also now that, that that has lifted. I think there'll be a better spirit in the ground. I think, you know, there'll be... I think that this will have taught everybody the last year of being away from the game of, of better kind of etiquette. Is that maybe a, a posher mm. word for for this show, David? But better etiquette of, of kind of supporting and and I believe that, that we're going to see a, a, a better kind of attitude towards Rangers this season definitely because the way it has gone now David the way it has lifted I, I mean I had a great summer I feel, every time I think about Rangers I'm thinking about 55 I'm thinking about championships and I'm also thinking you know and I hope it's not naivety but I'm also thinking that we're we're primarily positioned now to, to kick on so, that, I, but that, I'm positive, that, that, of course, I'm positive. You know, that ties into my point. You, yeah, might, you might be wrong, right? You might, and if you are, and Rangers have a very bad season next season, you're not going to feel any better or any worse because right now you were enjoying the fact that things looked good. Oh no, um, I mean, that, listen, that it, it won't affect it, and I think that again, it's that thing of saying. Right, well, if I expect the worst, that'll prevent the worst from happening. It, it doesn't work like that. But you mentioned it there. It, it's it's exactly that. It's just different people and their outlooks. And also something that we really do need to mention, just, you know, in the passing, but it is true. This is right at the height of the pandemic. You know, people have been in their house for a number of months. There was no end in sight. Um, I could understand that people were going through a lot in their lives, in their day-to-day lives. So, of course, that's going to come out in terms of the football, something that they discuss a lot that isn't quite tied into. Of course, emotions that you're maybe suppressing or emotions that you, you're uncomfortable with come out in other ways. And that's maybe what we got here. But luckily, we were about to embark in a period that certainly through the pandemic, I think made Rangers the happiest supporters in Scotland, because by the end of the run that Stevie and I are about to talk about today, folks, it was done. Um and we'll mention, we'll go back, 27 September 2020, Rangers travelling to Fur Park, one of those early kickoffs that I hate, you know my theory about that. Uh, uh, Rangers, uh, I think, are usually rubbish at the 12 o'clock kickoffs, don't start to half past 12. But in this day, we went through to tackle Motherwell at Fur Park. Now, that can be a tricky one. You know, Motherwell away can be tricky. Rangers have a great, a great record overall at Fur Park, but there's a lot of difficult games there. This day, Rangers were absolutely outstanding. Penalty from James Tavernier in the 12th minute uh, gave us the gave us the lead, and then Jordan Jones, a surprise inclusion in the side, scored an absolute belter of a goal. Um, just a superb ball by Scott Arfield. Jordan Jones outpaced the defender, and then a beautiful finish with the outside of the boot. Uh, Motherwell got a goal back. Uh, sorry, Motherwell. Uh, conceded another penalty actually Rangers got a third goal just before half time with James Tavernier and then Cedric Eaton who'd been getting a, a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of hmm, he hasn't done much he got on the park lashed in a beauty for his first Rangers goal then scored a lovely kind of tight finish to show another string tease but conceded a late on goal from George Edmondson uh, but that apart this was an absolutely superb performance yeah, perfect way to to hit back, and they were they were great that day. And I always remember the best part of that, David. And some may may think this is a strange thing to say, is that when we conceded so late, everybody was furious. You know, so that was a sign for me that we were on the right track and we were we were where we should be. the The huge positives, obviously, of the day, I think personally, was Cedric's goals. 
Um, I, I'm not sure why he was getting stick at the time, but I do remember it. I remember the famous stuff on Twitter about, you know, the boy posting that he had a pal who was a scout and he didn't understand why, you know, we had signed Cedric Hitton and stuff like that. Whereas the reality in it was that, that Cedric Hitton, when we did sign him, was getting watched by various premiership clubs and stuff. So that was that was the, the, the real good plus the real good plus point. Jordan Jones was was a, a funny one. It was kind of unexpected, almost like a you know, a Brandon Barker old firm um, start that he's he's done before. Took his goal wonderfully, a great through ball by Arfield, as you said, cuts in the left foot. And I always think it's funny, especially when you look back that um he done the the celebration where he's kind of you know, he's he's silencing the crowd with his hands, saying all this negative face, and and there's nobody there, of course. Nobody there. Yeah. So, um, a great way though, David, to to kick on, settles the nerves a wee bit. Just says to people, look, you know, hips can happen. It's a long season; these things do happen. We're back and we're we're ready to kick on. But I don't think if you had said to me at that point what was about to happen, I would have quite believed you. But I would have said we're capable of it. Yeah, I think that. At that point, you know, you think, right, okay, you know, back on the horse, good away win. We had Ross County at home the next game. Not a great performance, a 2-0 victory. Wasn't really secured until late on. Ross County were quite well organised uh, and would show that they could be quite well organised against Old Firm sides uh, a couple of times this season as well. International break, the dreaded, and then we all knew when we were coming back we were going to Parkhead for a match that was going to tell us an awful lot about how that uh, how the season would go. Uh, I think that we all rather knew that uh, it was likely to be an important match. You don't win or lose the, the league then, but you'd mentioned at the start about Celtic form and through October and and uh and November they you know completely cracked. But this is something again, you know, back to the optimistic thing. It, people were saying at the start of the season, Celtic were winning games, bar their opening match, I think, well they they ran out fairly easy winners against Hamilton. They were winning a lot of games one 0 nicking it. And people were saying and understandably they'd earned the right to say this, you know, the the, the the media cheerleaders. Celtic had earned the right to say this because they had won the league eight and three quarter times in a row. That they were showing the form of champions, that they were not playing well, and therefore it's important to just gut out, get your results, and win one nil, one nil till your form comes back. Okay? Right, fine, I get that. My argument was and is that's, I think, a fundamental misunderstanding of the that's what champions do thing. What champions do is play well mostly and win. And then when they don't play well every so often, they still win. That's what that means. It's not you don't play well ever, but you keep winning. Because if you don't play well continually, it'll catch up with you. And teams will take points off you and then your confidence will go and you don't have form in the first place and what will happen, happen to them. That was my theory back then. But I don't know how much that would have been affected had Rangers gone and shat the bed at Parkhead that day. But they absolutely did not. We turned up at Parkhead, Connor Goldson with a header after 10 minutes, Rangers looking really composed. Celtic can't really get near Rangers. A couple of chances, to be fair, but 
Rangers looking pretty comfortable. Connor Goldson, of all people, adds a second in the second half. And then Rangers tactically decide, you can have the ball because we don't think you can hurt us and prove to be very, very correct. And Rangers go, we're 2-0 up and we're taking this and do it. See the game out uber comfortably. And at that point, you thought, my goodness, you know, we are so much better than them. This was a huge moment, David. A huge, huge moment. If you if we journey back to the to the game just before we we went on the the international break, we'd be obviously beat Ross County. Celtic that day, I watched them. They were away to St Johnston. I think we spoke that day as well because you were obviously at the game, and they were in the earlier kickoff. They scored two in I think ninety two and ninety four minutes, and they won two 0 But it was a performance where. I watched it and thought, we have absolutely nothing to fear. And it's easy to say it now because we, we know subsequently what happened. But genuinely at that point, I remember watching it, I said to Karen, my wife, I said, they are, they look avoid of everything, devoid of, of, of inspiration. They look a very ordinary side. And then it came to, to going to, to Parkhead and I was really confident. I was like, we will win if we play well. And and we did, but this is why this was so important because it showed a different side to us. The game plan clearly from from Gerard and the management team, and I think this is where we. I want to really kind of emphasise this, David, because I really think it's that important that we clearly went out to get the first goal, got it, man managed that game perfectly. Whereas you said we would be, we were so compact, we were so disciplined. And then go and get the second. And as soon as we got the second, we were just two banks of, of, of four and five, basically, hitting on the break. But we were so comfortable in doing it. And we're, it wasn't even like we were going for a third or trying. We were just happy to manage that game. And we did it so comfortably and so easily that when that happened, not only did I think you know, a great result and everything else. But I thought to myself, and I think that the team, and this, you know, it would be a great thing to ask Stephen Gerrard about the reaction of, of the, the squad and the management at that time to how well, I'm not going to say easy, because I think that I think that belies how actually well we performed compared to the opposition. They had a, a late chance. I think where Griffiths went through and, and McGregor got back and smothered it on the line. But apart from that, they didn't breach us. Hollander and Goldson were sensational at the back. Kamara and Arfield ran the show in the middle, you know, and, and we got the, those vital goals. But what I'm trying to say, David, is that it was the way that we did it that not only sent a message in terms of we've came and beat you in your own back door, but the message was we've came and beat you and we've done it more than comfortably. And that's not even us playing at our very, very attacking fluent best. We've had a game plan, we've done it, we've got your marker now, catch us. Yep. That week as well, Europe kicked in. We had, of course, qualified for the Europa League again, which was a great achievement. Uh, a tough-looking group, Benfica, Standard Liège, like Poznan. Good, fun group, you know, good European ties there. Off to Belgium in the opening match. A swimming pool of a pitch, because there was a biblical rainstorm that night in Liège for Rangers. And Rangers take the lead um, and then 
See now, against I, I thought a decent standard team. They were very good at switching the ball quickly, standard and made you work. But Rangers looking solid defensively. And then we see one of the best goals I've ever seen in my life. In fact, the best goal I have ever seen a Rangers player score in my life. Um, and that, of course, was Kamar Roof's wonder goal. I've seen guys score from the, they're in, inside their own half. You see it occasionally. Um, saw a, a great strike in the, the Euros by Patrick Sheik against Scotland. Um, and they're remarkable hits at any point when you do it. But when you're playing in the bath and you beat five men first, then look up and think, why not? And perfectly place your strike over the top of the goalkeeper and into the net, then that elevates it into the, did I just see that category? And even sitting at home watching, I just burst out laughing and got out of my seat and was clapping and dancing on my own because it was a truly, uh, one of those moments, even now talking about it, where I'm like, there's no way. And when you watch it back, there's no way he can score when he gets the ball. And yet he does. And it's uh, just, uh, in terms of an amazing moment, it was. But the feel-good now around the club. Uh, this was, of course, the week I should mention that the, the UBs put out a brilliant video and introduced uh, Live It Up. Um, by mentals anything is a new anthem for Rangers. The feel good at this point was enormous. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a great night. I always remember as well. It was a it was perhaps an understated moment. It was the arrival of, of Calvin Bassey at left back as well. He he came on. I'm pretty sure that Borna got injured and he had a really good solid performance at left back as well. For I think the last thirty minutes, David, if, if memory serves me right, we we had held out well. You know, largely. Um, largely without again it was a, another case of, of we're we're very well organised come and break us down which is, is great to watch because you start to really believe in what we're trying to do but as you said I've, I've told you this before we often talk like my wife obviously um, is certainly the less animated of the two of us at games she's very quiet and I would say passive in terms of of well I think most people are when they sit next to me David in fairness but even she that night when when Kamar Roof gets it and, and and scores that wonderful goal, she's up doing the same as what you explained, you know, dancing about. I think we both were. It was a phenomenal moment, one that you'll look back on years and years and tell kids and tell people. And you remember he done that. And it wasn't only, as you said, the finish. He's, he's actually controlled it. Then he, he rides, a, rides a challenge, then wins a kind of 50-50 through sheer strength, goes on a wee a wee kind of L-shaped run and then just and it's the the way that he hits the ball the ball actually lands in the net it's so perfect the precision on it it's just a wonderful wonderful moment and as you said by then you know the feel good factors through the roof the the new anthems there after the the Union Bears you know showed them up and it was just I think everybody from that moment just galvanised and we didn't look back no, we most certainly did not. But it, it, it really was just an outstanding night and goal. And uh, as I say, you just felt, hang on, there's something very special about this side here. Uh, took on Livingston at Ibrox and saw another wonder goal. Jermaine Defoe's different type of goal. Superb long ball from Tav. And this exquisite finish that's so pleasing. I've sat and watched a gif of it where it's just on a loop. And it's lovely. It's like watching a... a, a an expensive timepiece, you know, just smoothly going round. It, it, it's such a great goal from Jermaine Defoe. 
uh, to give us the lead. The following week we'd cement uh, our, our European start with a 1-0 victory at home to Lech Poznan. Tough game. Poznan changed the uh, uh, I think the maybe after our result against Liège, they maybe thought, right, well, we'll go and try and contain Rangers, but Rangers got there um, with a great goal from Alfie. Um, so six points and, you know, we've set ourselves up in a good place to qualify. But, of course, fans are most concerned about what's happening in the league. We then go to Kilmarnock. Now, you and I have discussed this. We mentioned this right at the start of the of the match that I'd said to you at the start of October when you were you and I were talking about I don't know if you remember this, but you said you know Parkhead's a big one. And I said I'm actually more worried about Rugby Park, and I was kind of half joking, but it's it's true. Uh, given what Rugby Park had been to us, it, I think it'd become a symbol of the issues in the first couple of seasons of Gerard. I think Kilmarnock had become that to us, where a limited side. You know, journeyman players, but organised, disciplined. The advantage of playing on that awful pitch and knowing it and knowing that bounces are untrue and that passes stick and all of that sort of thing. Uh, and I, I had this in my, I had this one circled as this is a biggie. This will tell us a lot. And we went there, and Rangers didn't play particularly well um, compared to how we'd been playing recently, but. Tavernier penalty after 19 minutes, get the goal, and then see it out reasonably comfortably. Not a great performance, but I felt a very telling one. Yeah, and I think that I would highlight the players' reaction to that result that day as well, David, as being, you know, perhaps even a a greater reaction to the victory at at Parkhead weeks before. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something to perhaps discuss. This is maybe something that we'll talk about more in the in the Q&A show because we've been asked. But the reaction to that Parkhead victory was so different to the Parkhead victory previously. Now, of course, there's nobody there, so that has an effect. But the players, I think, understandably celebrated. There's been some uh, post-op criticism of it afterwards, and I get that because obviously we know what then happened. But I think that was just an emotional release. It was such a big game. We hadn't won there in years and we go there and we get the victory. After Parkhead this season, it's job done. Quick high fives down the tunnel. And it, it felt different. Yeah, absolutely did. It, it felt like this is business as usual and we were focused. But the the Kilmarnock one, that, that's why I wanted to, to kind of focus on that one, David. Because the, the Kilmarnock one, the, the celebration at the end was actually more than the celebration at Celtic Park, which I think backs up your your point that you know you had circled it off. I think a lot of us had said that if we come through this one, you know, then we're looking good. The reaction of the players was was the same. I think that's just a, like I kind of mentioned before that that was a wee hurdle, like a wee box that we had to tick and just get past it. Like you, I don't think we were, you know, fluently great that day, um, but. It was very much job done. And what I was starting to like about this Rangers side at this point was not only were we defensively very strong, but it didn't matter who you were playing, if it was Hollander or, or Balogun next to goal, so we, we looked really solid. But we were very compact and difficult to play against, very organised. And it just felt like we didn't have that kind of... We didn't have that invincibility before. 
in terms of if we were 1-0 up, everybody would be thinking when's the sucker punch coming. But that this year and the way it had gone, it really started to grow and evolve into, well, we've scored, so everybody believed that we were going to win. And I think that certainly started to transpire onto the pitch as well. That was a huge one, David. I remember you famously tweeted out after it, uh, we're going to win this league. And, um, and you shouted at me. Yeah. I, 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 like, what? But, um, you know, I think everybody at that moment in time thought, stood up and took notice and thought, yeah, this, this could very well be happening. And, of course, over the other side of the city, they're getting a few thrashings in Europe and, and they start to drop points. So going into this one, I think we were we were looking at going maybe six points clear. So this is this was the start of it, David. This was it. This was we were by now I think two or three games into really stretching it away from them. Yes, we were. Um, we would then take on Benfica in a crazy game over in Portugal. Um, Benfica leathered us for a quarter of an hour. I mean, they did. They absolutely leathered us. They are a right good side. You could see it. And they, they take the lead. And you're, I was fearing a drubbing at that point, to be honest, because this was like an old Rangers in Europe performance. You know, we couldn't get the ball. When we did get it, we gave it away. The other side were pinging it about. And, and Rangers were just, oh, my God. And I thought, wow, we've come up against a better side. It happens sometimes. Then Benfica have a player sent off and Rangers proceed to turn into Brazil 1970. Um, go 3-1 up. Scintillating performance from Rangers, you know, one of, I know we were playing 10 men, but you've got to go and make, take advantage of that, and Rangers absolutely do. 3-1 up, game's done. Unfortunately, this is the rarest of things, uh, a Philip Hellander howler that night, he had a, he had a very poor match. Uh, Benfica score one, bit of naivety, I think, from Rangers in the very last minute of the game. Scott Arfield has an opportunity to run the clock down, he tries a pass, and from the resulting goal kick, even then, we should defend better, but Benfica score. And there was a lot of anger, despite it being a pretty good result. And certainly after 14 minutes, I think we would all have, you know, bitten our arms off to get a point over there. But there was a feeling that we'd kind of chucked it away. Uh, and I, I, I think we had, you know, naivety, overconfidence. I don't know what it was, but we should certainly have seen that match out. The manager was raging afterwards. And it's a shame because it would have been a very famous European victory. I'll jump ahead a wee bit here and say the, the return match at Ibrox against Benfica finishes two each. Rangers play superbly for 70 minutes. Again, take a 2 0 lead, but again, we're pegged back for a two each draw. What I will say is, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be at that match. I, Benfica were terrific again, and in the end, they just wore Rangers down. That's what that and Michael Beale said this. He said that's the only game last season where I felt a team made us look tired, and it was more mental tiredness than anything else because it never stopped. You know, they moved the ball, they fizzed it about. They were always they did to us what we do to teams domestically, where. They, they just put you under so much pressure that eventually you're going to crack. So the 3-1 lead surrendering, I, I was miffed about. I wasn't too critical of the 2-0 because I thought we've just came up against our really top side there tonight. And, and the boy Nunez that plays up front for them was a difference maker in both games. I think he's going to be... Uh, or in the first game, sorry. I think he's going to be an absolute star of, of European football. He's, he's got a lot. But what were your feelings on, on those two matches against, in my opinion, real quality opposition? 
Well, this won't surprise you, but I, um, I was actually delighted after the 3-3 game in terms of how we played that night. Come back from the early goal, obviously Benfica go down to 10, but the way we exploited that um, with equaliser, Kamara scores a really good goal to put us ahead. Alfie then gets his European record, which was a lovely team move. If you remember, they broke the lines and, and Tav just waits the exact moment and, and plays it across beautifully. I thought we were terrific in terms of how we played, David. And then, as you said, I, I remember texting you that night as well and saying, we are, this is brilliant. We are fantastic. And just being like, you know, beaming and, and feeling really good. It was just, it kind of epitomised where we were at that point. And then the last five minutes, we just, we made, we made you know, a complete arse of it in fairness. The home game was 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 different. I, I, like you, I was really pleased to get a point, especially because they just overpowered us. It was a bit, you know, David, when we went 2-0 up, it was a bit like what happened to, to France last night in terms of when Switzerland missed a penalty. And they just upped their gears and, and quickly went, you know, 2-3-1. and three, one. Now we, we ultimately know what, what happened and, and Switzerland managed to go through an unbelievable game of football. But Benfica, it was almost like they flexed their muscles at 2-0. And, and we'd done superbly to, to get ahead. You know, a great, I think Scott Arfield scores early and then Kamar Roof, who's starting to show what he's all about at this point, scores an unbelievable goal. And I know he had scored a beauty out in, in Belgium, but I like this one just as much because of the way he hits it. He's, he's almost side-footed it and placed it into the top corner from well outside the box. And it's just such a ferocious strike. And I think, David, as well, we spoke about this a wee bit as well, I think we missed the fans at this point because C2-0 yes, to Benfica on a night like that, Ibrox would have been... It would have been unbelievable. It would have oh. been Parma-like. So I'm not sure that that favoured us. Definitely it didn't on, on that night. No, and that's you know a point that when people ask me, having been at the matches, you know, did, does the crowd not be in there help? Does it... Does it hinder? It does both. There are times where maybe the crowd would get on people's back, and yes, that might that might be a negative. But there are also many more times when the crowd would be giving them the extra five ten percent in their legs. And that night, yes, absolutely, I firmly believe at two 0 on a, a normal European night, the crowd would have got got Rangers home that night. Um, but in the end up, as I say, just quality opposition told. But even so, Rangers had come out of the two matches with two points and were looking very good for qualification. We would seal it with a 3-2 victory over standard Liège and then go to Poznan in the last game and get a 2-0 victory with a much-changed side. Said Kitten getting another goal there. And all good. We can look forward. And not only did we come through the group, we topped it, which is a remarkable achievement. And domestically in November, Rangers are golden. An 8-0 victory over Hamilton Ackies that could have been anything. It could have been 15 or 16 that day. Honestly, it was that one-sided. To be fair, Hamilton hadn't played, I think, in three weeks due to COVID um, and looked real rusty against a Rangers team that was just in gear. Uh, we then beat Aberdeen 4-0 at Ibrox. Excellent performance from Rangers again. Go up to Ross County, beat them 4-0. Um, great performance. Uh, and then we take on Dundee United with Tav with that wonderful goal. Dundee United peg is back, but Connor Goldson gets a header. And again, Rangers are through it. And at the moment, everything's great. Celtic are in absolute crisis. Rangers having knocked Falkirk out of the League Cup. Pretty straightforward victory. Then travel to Love Street. 
on the 16th of December to take on St Mirren in the quarter-final. Now, Celtic are out at this point. Their run of 12 trophies is over. They've been beaten by the aforementioned Ross County. Uh, Cue much hilarious scenes. There was a Sharknado outside (laughs) Parkhead that night. Uh, There are riots. They're attacking their players. Things are just going from bad to worse for them. Everything's golden. So the League Cup's won, right? I thought that. I'll hold my hands up. Right. We all did. We well, I'm wondering who we're playing in the semis. It's it's all of that. We go to Love Street. Rangers wear the now ill-fated retro kit that night, and we take on St. Mirren in the cup. Score early, Connor Goldson. The manager had made several changes to the side, and in his words afterwards, that's my fault. I over rotated. Because St Mirren get a penalty just before half time, uh, filled by uh, Calvin Bassett, who had a fairly rough night, uh, and it's one each. And then you wait in the second half, and then Rangers aren't doing much. St Mirren score. Now, St Mirren are only up the park about four times in this match, and they score three times, don't get me wrong, but that's that's not their problem, that's our problem. Uh, defensively, we're all over the shop, and they make it 2 1. And you think, wow, okay, wee bit of adversity. And the clock is ticking on and ticking on and ticking on. And I remember thinking with 10 minutes to go, this isn't happening tonight. We're not not getting one. We are going out here. And then Stephen Davis conjures up a goal in the last minute and you think, normal services and we'll get extra time and beat them. Only we don't. We then uh, allow a series of corners in injury time one of which St Mirren score from. 3-2, were out. I was at the game. I always say that I was fortunate enough to be at a game. That one I didn't feel that fortunate about. I was the only Rangers fan in that stand that night, uh, apart from the club employees. And there's all these St Mirren officials and staff and the dancing. and t- You know, quite rightly, I'm not, I'm not having a go. They weren't taunting me or anything, but... I just felt like the, the loneliest guy in the whole world because I was soaked, right? Because it's a wild night in Paisley. I'm in Paisley, and that's never pleasant. Nobody wants that. Uh, I'm just sitting there thinking, I cannot believe this. It was an absolute non-entity of a performance. A winnable cup kind of tossed away. And I've still no idea where this performance gets. And I don't think Rangers have any idea where this performance came from. Now, when you rotate aside, Stevie, the proof's in the pudding. If you win, it was fine. If you don't win, you got it wrong. It really is that thin a line. And to be fair to Stephen Gerrard, he admitted afterwards, that one's on me. Yeah, we talk about the, the evolution of, of obviously Rangers, but the evolution of, of Stephen Gerrard, I think that will have taught him Another lesson, even you know, three years in, that we weren't in a position to to rotate, or people that he maybe thought were strong enough weren't, because we went to Poznan and, and been semi decent and, and won well over there two 0 which I think made him think that we'd be all right going to St Mirren. Now St Mirren at that point were on a bit of a a decent run. Meanwhile, we were all, we were flying in Europe undefeated, undefeated in the league. Celtic are Banging drawing. them in. Banging yeah, them oh, in. I, you know, having thrashed Hamilton, thrashed Aberdeen, Celtic had drawn three on, I think, out of um, four after getting beat by us. 
They had been put out of the cup. They were getting thrashed in Europe. So everything was rosy. We went there and it was just from first to last minute a bit of a shit show just throughout. I think people that night, Bongani Zungu, um, Calvin Bassi, um, centre-half-wise were, were really poor as well. I think I don't think Bongani Zungu ever recovered in terms of his Rangers career and thinking that he would he was the answer or anything. I think he, he came off for Stephen Davis to, to come on and it wasn't until that moment Rangers started to play. We should have had a penalty in the last minute. Didn't get it. The subsequent free kick comes off the wall. Stephen Davis scores a worldie. And then with Holander having gone off injured, we were all about six and sevens and you're thinking to yourself, just get to extra time regroup, reorganise, you've then got a forced substitution so you can bring on the centre half because we've obviously had to gamble. So we're down to 10 men at that point and we don't defend the corners and of course, you know, I think their third one, they have a boy free at the back post and, and it's disaster time and their reaction was horrendous, you know, shite bags are never going to win anything, you know. Um, excuse the French, I don't I don't like to swear, but that night the reaction was horrific. And I remember David feeling euphoric for, for weeks after Parkhead and you know, we were starting to stretch away because I think we'd maybe at this point we were something like fifteen points clear in the league. Because although the gap was maybe only technically seven, um yeah, that'd be right. We were sixteen points clear in the league because the, the gap was technically seven, but they had three games in hand. But you were thinking, you know, we're top of the world and everything's going great. Go to St Mirren, get a 2-0 win, up the road, no hassles, no thrills. And we just completely, we just didn't, we just didn't turn up. And yeah. in terms of the previous 25 games, it was so unexpected. And it, there was and also it felt complacency. horrible, David. Yeah, there was also complacency because we score early, Connor goals, and it's a peach and everything's, yeah, going, beauty, yeah. everything's going well. Our centre half striding forward and banking a 20-yarder in. You know, and, and then they just stopped. And St Mirren didn't stop. And St Mirren thought, hey, let's let's go. We have nothing to lose. It's, it's a cup game, you know. Um, and fair play to them. They deserved the victory that night. Uh, they they were they wanted it more. And to react the way they did from conceding in the last minute, they reacted how you would want your side to react. Of, OK, let's go and get the winner. Didn't feel sorry for themselves. Um, but those who think that, in terms of fan media, that, that people were go and watch my video of that night um, on YouTube. Uh, I didn't miss them. Nobody from Rangers says to you, you can't criticise when things don't go well. That That is a myth. And even that night, the day after, speaking to someone from Rangers press office, he said, nope, can't, can't argue. Uh, because it, it just, it was poor. Everything about it, the attitude wasn't right. And we got punished. And, and you always say you learn from your mistakes, but unfortunately, um, there'll be a repeat of this uh, later in the season, uh, uh, as we'll come to. But that's that's for another episode. Then, of course, comes what I think people will understandably look back on as, as probably the crucial match. Now, you're right, we are seven points clear of Celtic, and that's how I was counting it. However... Celtic's assumption that oh, we'll win our three games in hand. I think you need to do that as the opponents. I think us, we need to assume that they'll win those games. But there was a nagging doubt at the back of my mind that they would because us losing to St Mirren didn't mean that they were suddenly very good. 
uh, their problems were deeper. However, you don't want to give them any, you don't want to give them any hope, or you don't want to give them a confidence boost, and you certainly don't want to see what happened to us the previous year when we just fell off a cliff completely as a side. So we play Motherwell at Ibrox. We haven't conceded a goal in the league at Ibrox a season. Seven minutes in, that that's gone. Um, rather poor goal given away. And Motherwell play infamously a 5-5-0. They're a goal up. They don't need to do anything else. And Rangers cannot get anything going at all. And I remember after 65 minutes, got a text from my dad and uh, he said, it's not looking good. And I text back saying, I don't think we're scoring today. Now, I I rarely feel like that, you know? I, I rarely feel that I don't see it today. We could play all night. Uh, I always think, because, you know, you can be playing badly and get something. And I'm sitting going, I, I just, I, I don't see it today. I just don't see it. And then, of course, Kamar Roof gets one. And then substitute Cedric Itton, the mauler of Motherwell. I don't know what happened to him in Motherwell, but he hates them. <laughs> Corner comes in, goes across the goal. There at the back post is Cedric to nod it in. Any of my uh, I'll behave in the press box at that moment went out the frigging window. <laughs> I went mental, as did everybody who was there who was employed by Rangers or players or anyone who was in officials just to see the, the, the press boxes behind the director's box. The directors were going nuts. The players were going nuts. Watch that go back and just listen to the noise from within the stadium. You know, I don't mean the fake crowd noise. If you you go back and watch the inside Ibrox, listen to the noise that just is generated by the players when he does that. Kamar Roof adds a third at the end. 3-1, looks comfortable, wasn't comfortable. Three goals in the last 15 minutes. And leaving Ibrox that day, Stephen, I said, we have won the league. I really and truly believed in this because that, the situation that Rangers were in wasn't anywhere near terminal or a disaster, but we all know what we're like as fans and we all know what the pressure was like at that point. And I just thought, nah, they've they've put it back, right back on the track when the train was looking like it was spilling. Yeah, I mean, at 70 minutes, David, the, the obituaries were getting written, and that's the truth, because we were all waiting for that negative response. I was sitting in the house thinking, you know, that this will give everybody a lift that doesn't want us to win this league, yes. doesn't want us to be pulling away. And I couldn't see it. I um, I couldn't see the goal coming. And very famously, as, as I tend to do, had said about 70 minutes, we could play all day and never score. And I think they, they were so deep that Conor Goldson played that second half as an eight. He was mm-hmm. so far forward. I think Holander was behind him, possibly Balogun. I would need to go back and see who played that day. But whoever the centre-half partner was, was basically the only one left at the centre circle. Um, the the wing-backs, Barisic and Tab, were so high. And we pressure after pressure after pressure, but not creating, not getting a break, not getting anything. Then Tav swings in this innocuous ball to the back post. 
Kent turns his back on it. It hits him in the arse. He then manages to get a wee toe poke on it and Roof turns in this magnificent left foot finish on the turn was back to goal, just looked so awkward, lashes it in, and then at that point, David, it was almost like you could lift the pressure because we all then believed we're going to sc- we'll score again. Um, and then, like you, the, the, the second goal, I celebrated that, David, like we just won the league. And that'll sound silly. But no, everybody goal... did. Everybody I've spoken to says the same, no matter where they were in the world that day. But when when Itton's header went in, they celebrated. The, the one I hear a lot is, I celebrated that like an old firm winner. That is what it was like. It was yeah. massive. Absolutely yeah. massive. We we laugh a lot about, you know, our reaction when Edu scored at Ibrox and yeah. I laugh at the boys next to us. When we, we all, you know, once it calmed down and we're like, where's where's... Danny, like, where's the boy? And they're like three rows down. <laughs> How did that happen? You know, um, that that was what it was like in this house. Um, I went so mental that the dog was going mental, barking, trying to jump on me and everything. It was a great moment. Then obviously the third comes, and I remember driving in after it, not to not to game. I was going. Um, I had to go to a family dinner and things like that, and I just remember thinking. Like you that day, we're going to win this league because if you can come from from that position, I just I just felt that was that was the moment that everybody I think believed. Prop, not that we hadn't believed before, but there was there's there's a belief, but we're still guarded. And I think everybody at that moment said, if we can come through that on the back of what's happened a couple of days before, on the back of what happened for seventy minutes, and get that result. You know, then brilliant, and we had, and it went for the euphoria when we saw, you know, obviously the couple of days after the things like Alan McGregor's fake kind of um, oh, injury and and things after Motherwell had been doing it the whole game, and then he's obviously went down with cramp, which is hilarious when you watch it back now. Brilliant. But um, goalkeeper, I know he's he's a bad actor as well, and it was, but it was brilliant. It was a hilarious moment, and I think everybody, David, as you said, it just galvanised absolutely everybody. No, mm. uh, that will always be remembered for Cedric Hitton. That'll always be his game, and I get that, and he deserves it. But for me, I remember it as Stephen Davis's game because we've talked a lot about leaders, and again over the years, you know, you can see Stephen Davis is a leader at that side. You can tell there are different types of leader. Tav, example, Kent, the skill and the belief he gives everybody around him, Alfie. With his well, ferocious will to win, Goldson's the the talker. Goldson's the talker. But that day, that was Davis constant. He was all. He's not a shouter, but he was always up at them, going right, come on. And he was always getting the ball back and starting it again, and getting the ball back and starting it again. And you could see him running over to players and going, right, come on, keep doing what you're doing. It will come. And I thought that that was his. Um, did I ever tell you though? My the reason nobody gives me the credit for this, but this is the day that I won as the league. Um, because every day that I, or every game that I go to Ibrox, you know how I'm stupidly superstitious on match days. Yes, yeah, right. Like me driving the, <sighs> the same way all season, and yep, carry on. Well, here are my dad's superstitions for last year, the year that we won fifty-five. Because the wee lady that sells the sweets wasn't there, so I wasn't able to to go and buy my sweeties off her. So I need to wear matching underwear, right? Um, it's got to be the same brand and the same colours. 
I've got to have a shower just before I go out to the game and use the same type of shower gel, right? One of the molten brown ones, you know, from from the club, right? Uh, and then when I get to Ibrox, I've got to go the same route, stop in at the same shop, walk to Ibrox, and then walk round from the underground because I don't drive, so I go I, I go up the train and walk round from the underground, so I can go past the Broomland, even though we go in at the the main stand, so that I can see. My little dog Maya's brick, Maya passed away last year. And I'll always go up and just give her a wee kiss and say, you know, miss you puppy and bring us luck today. So in that game, just after my dad texted, I said, we're not going to score. I remember I just looked up and I said inside my head, right, we, I need you to go up to God and bark at him and say, my dad needs this, right? Stevie, we scored within a minute. So I don't care what anybody says. She heard me and she went up and he's like, oh, for Christ's sake, it's a Saturday afternoon. I bet she'll not give me any peace if I don't let Rangers score. So uh, Maui Maya was, was from beyond the grave was was helping us there. After that, as you say, the belief is huge. And I think the, the counter effect of it was the, the Celtic fans began to think, ah, they might not collapse. And then that made them begin to focus on their own side a little more which they don't really do. So it's, you know, it's odd for them to be able to do that. But we had some big games coming up and it would prove that way. 23rd of December, went to St. Johnston, 3-0 victory. Good performance, going Kamara Masterclass at night. And then comes three games that I argue win as the league. Um, it, it, totally and utterly. I think that Motherwell is the, the key. I think it opened the door, but I think they just stepped through it in these next these next few matches. The first up is Hibs uh, at Ibrox. Uh, and Hibs, to be fair, they win the We Played Well at Ibrox for a half. Yanis uh, Hadji with the goal. People forget some of Yanis Hadji's goals. Uh, some of his goals last year, this one, St. Johnston at home late in the season. Goals that win you points, big goals. It was a lovely goal, actually, that day. And Hibs do play well in the second half, but Rangers see it out, and it felt like a big victory. Then we go to... St Mirren, scene of the crime uh, and there's a bit of nervousness, it's a, it's a Wednesday afternoon in the Christmas holidays um, and we win 2-0, a solid display not brilliant, not brilliant but again, we're not conceding goals and then that helps, and then 2nd of January Celtic arrive, now we're miles ahead of them they're not playing well, they need they, they have got to win the first time in a decade, that there's a must-win old fun game for them, really. And they, you know, in the, the build-up to it, I remember Martin Ramsey, our podder, the night before. You know, young young Stuart, one of our podders, he is Mister. I mean, he makes you look calm and composed and zen before a game. <laughs> and he he's like, you know, think we're going to win. And Martin said it perfectly for me. He said, looking at it logically. Even emotionally, we're going to win because we're better than them. He said, the only thing, the only argument I can find for Rangers not winning is that it's not like us to do things so simply. Because if we win 13 points, it's completely done. There's no way back for them. Even they would admit it. It would be very Rangers to find a way not to win this. However, I really don't see it. Rangers are going to win. And I was utterly convinced Rangers were going to win. And of course, Celtic decide that they weren't there. We played well for a wee bit at Ibrox Trophy. 
And for 20 minutes, they put everything they have into this game. And they, they put everything I think that they had for their whole season into the opening 20 minutes at Rangers. And they are better than us for 20 minutes. Rangers are caught on the hop a wee bit by the ferocity of how Celtic play. There's no doubt about it. Alan McGregor makes a wonder save. An absolute world day. A genuine top-door one from Griffiths. But, and this is forgotten, Celtic peter out after 25 minutes or so. The legs go a little bit. I've watched the game back a couple of times since. And you can see it. And while Rangers don't overrun them, the game becomes a quite bog-standard affair. And Rangers are pretty comfortable. The way that it's spun by Celtic fans is that they battled us for 90 minutes. It simply isn't true. Had they scored in that opening 20, who knows? But their gamble was to try and get a goal or two up and then sit in. And when that happened, they had blown themselves out like a, like a storm. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it is a bit of a myth surrounding that game, David, because um, they like to make it out like they did batters, like you said, perfectly. But the truth is that aside of the first 20 minutes, they didn't have another shot on target. Alan McGregor does make, he makes a really good save, Edward, very early on. I think that's in the first minute he gets down, it comes back and even then he's, he's not getting beat by the rebound, which is up offside anyway. He makes that wonder save from Griffiths, like you said, which is an outstanding save, which he gets up and claims he hadn't touched Ferry McGregor. Like, um, I think we should maybe even have an, an extra episode, David, in this series, just because some of the stories you've told me about him, just in being able to hear him, is is fantastic. I, I, I'm not sure we could get a, a license for them. We certainly couldn't. <laughs> can't hear them. Uh, my favourite one has to be when the uh, the Livingston game that Gerard got sent off. Um, as as they were walking past uh, and he sees Beaton give the red card, Alan McGregor says, that's exactly what's wrong with Scotland. And even just at that moment, when I'm raging at Gerard getting sent off and you know, Beaton headed a howler again, I couldn't help but just piss myself laugh. I was like, that is funny. <laughs> you know, that is genuinely funny. And he is, he's hilarious. Like, at one point, uh, he was complaining to a referee about how he had booked a Rangers player but he didn't book uh, whoever it was player for the thing and the ref said something to him and you heard McGregor shout as he walked away that's discrimination <laughs> it's like guy's a genius see if Rangers mic'd him up and charged whatever they liked for Alan McGregor cam we could we could buy the Champions League the one that I really like is, is a game actually we've not covered yet but um, the Aberdeen away game when Curtis Main has a horror challenge on Barisic and it was on inside um, Ibrox, I think, that you heard his comments after it and they were hilarious. He, he was going on, you know, um, this is what you sent me off against Hibs for you know, <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, and, no, he, he remembers them. Yeah, and it, it was just, it's you know, obviously it was a horrific challenge, absolutely terrible challenge, challenge at the time. We'll come to that, obviously, when we get to that game, but... McGregor is, is is hilarious and, and he has he has a brilliant twenty minutes in that game. Like but like you said, it gets made out to be more than it is and gradually Rangers wear them down in terms of implementing their game plan and their style. Which to be fair they, they hadn't been allowed to do. But once that's in place, David, we're comfortable. You know, the turning people say the turning point was 
you know, Beaton's red card after he challenged on Alfredo. The fact is that the turning point was 20 minutes before that, just before first half, when, when Rangers slightly changed their, their, their set-up in the middle and began to get proper foot on the game because in the second half they didn't touch us and, and we were we were firmly in, in control of that. And they actually were more threatening at Ibrox in the 2-0 Cup game than they were overall in, in that 1-0 game. But people don't like to to kind of say that. But Rangers, obviously, having, having weathered that storm, they weren't at their best that day, David. I think that's fair also. But that's like that's more of the saying that we'd been so good for the few weeks, having beat, um, you know, Aberdeen, Hamilton by big scores, get through in Europe so well, and then they had that that vital period. So we've then come to this Celtic game and managed to grind it out. And as and I suppose. When we talk about what you said earlier on in terms of, you know, that's a, a champion's performance, in many ways to face the adversity that we did of, of such a an onslaught for the first 20 minutes, certainly, because let's not deny that's what it was. But then to turn that game round, switch it up and be able to implement ourselves. And it was one of those, I should say this as well, that Beton's red card was something that we do very well. We play it out from a goal kick. It works its way to Tav on the right-hand side, and he plays that ball down the channel in between the full-back and the centre-back, which we do. we done it up at Pataudry, if you remember, when Hadji kind of bum-flicked it, and then Alfredo sends Kent. It was the exact same move that led to Beton's red card, and Alfredo, you know... Oh, it does all ends up. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he consumes many defences, but he certainly does then. And and after that, you believe Rangers control it, start to switch it about, and, and the goal eventually comes. And, and when the goal does come, it's it's kind of it's funny the way it happens because it is a it is a huge slice of luck. It's a good delivery. Aribo gets the, the the slightest of flicks and it and it goes in off the arm of, of McGregor who's trying to head it with his eyes closed, basically looking at the ground. And this big theatrical, ridiculous guy <laughs> By their goal, he jumps up. Oh, he, he David, doesn't. Ju- he doesn't. Do. He doesn't jump across. He jumps up the way. Yeah, he's barely even got his hand out. It's almost it's, like it, it's more of like a gymnastic jump hi. instead of a goalkeeping actual goalkeeping attempt. He doesn't move his feet. He just jumps Four, up in the air, like you say. Jumps up in the air. And, and there's this. Quid. There's this great picture from behind the goal, which which Willie Vass took of Alfredo's face as it goes in. And it just, it, you know, he's just like a kid that's just entered the sweet shop and been told they can have whatever they want. And that was the way we all felt. And it was a moment where that result took us 10 points clear overall. They had they had won four in the bounce, so they were starting to say that they were coming onto a game which, which was basically like putting a plaster over a broken leg. And... It was it was a big one. I remember I'd done a, a if you remember I was doing the podcast at that time and, and I had to do a, a podcast with and, and John Hartson was there and I had to listen to John Hartson spieling out that Griffiths was the best striker in Scotland, Ryan Christie was the best player in Scotland, and I, I was sitting there and myself and Alex Ray, Alex would later tell me that he was actually getting quite infuriated with the actual disrespect towards Rangers and and, and lack of plaudits basically for how well we were doing at that moment in time and I said it that day I said Rangers will win comfortably and I thought we would, turns out we didn't but we did enough and that result I think pretty much sealed it Yep, you're absolutely right, I think that 
for me that day was was huge because going back to what we said at the start, that's championship. When we're playing well, we're cuffing teams. When we weren't playing quite so well, we were still winning matches. Then we went back to cuffing teams. You know, that's championship form. Not playing badly all season. That's not yeah. championship form. Uh, and then having, as you say, four good results. Remember Turnbull and Soro were suddenly the best players in the world. It was, it was just nonsense. And then that day after I'm uh, I'm going down the stairs, I walk down and I see, you always see the, the team by the time that, that we're leaving as uh, the press box, the after the press conference, you see the away team have showered and done their press duties and they're packing to go and their bus will be around the front. And as I'm walking down, you couldn't really move. There was only a wee, because it's, you know, you go out a, a walk, you know, you go out like a main door kind of thing. So, you know, but it's like Ibrox, it's wide, it's a concourse. And there was only a wee path because the whole of the floor was taken up with these huge sports bags, huge sports bags. And I was like to, to Mark Dingwell from Fall Followers, how much fucking equipment do they bring? <laughs> and, and he said, no, they're going on holiday. I went, well, they're not, we're in lockdown. And he said, ah, they're going to Dubai. I said, you're joking. He went, no, seriously. I thought, nah, it can't be that. So I didn't believe him. Because it was just such a ludicrous thing to me that clearly they can't be going to Dubai. I mean, that's, that's nonsense. It's an idiotic thing to do at this time. I mean, COVID and all the rest of it. Get home, checked. Oh, oh, yeah. Going to Dubai, aye. Um, and that went well. Um, that weekend, you'll recall, of course, they're all sitting having a couple of bevies. Uh, their fans, they took it well. And <laughs> fr- from there on in, uh, then, then the announcement that the guy who with the knee injury they'd taken halfway across the world infects half of them. Uh, uh, and I, I'll always go back to an article by uh, a guy who's on Twitter called Old Firm Facts. It's a, it's a comedy account, and he he can be quite funny. He did digs at both teams, but he said, uh, "Let's look at at the 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 winter break plans of all the clubs involved." And he said, uh, Manchester City. Um, City didn't travel abroad because there's a pandemic. Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool decided to stay in Liverpool this year because there's a pandemic on. Stephen Gerrard. Stephen Gerrard's side haven't lost a match in the league this season. And by the fact that they stayed in Glasgow rather than travel during a pandemic proved they haven't lost their minds either. And he just went through all these teams about how they'd all stayed and then Celtic at the bottom. And it was just hilarious. But uh, time has caught up with us again, Stephen. Um, We will be back, of course, next week when we will do the run-in and uh, the wonderful feeling of when we won the title. But thank you so much for joining me for another very enjoyable troll through what was a a wonderful season. Yeah. um, I think this just shows how much we we could discuss and there's so much more to cover, David. Um, it's great that we get to start the next one on such a high. Are you going to do the the finger quotes for? A, <laughs> a, we have to. We, you know, that's the that's where we start because if we had written what was about to happen in the month of January, if if Rangers fans had written it, we wouldn't have written it. I would have said to you, David, you can't write that. That's unrealistic. It would have but, been. It would have been like something, some some crazy fever dream. Yes, it's about to get so much better. 
No, I just I remember him that somebody sent me the photograph of that before I'd seen the press conference, and all I could think of was Austin Powers. You know, lasers. Yep. That was all I could think of. And every time I see him, it's like it's, it's we hairy Doctor Evil. Uh, but and the magnificent I, thing, of course, is sorry, David. And the magnificent thing, of course, is after that, which is supposed to, you know, their their friends in the press are saying that. They, they played so well and this will rejuvenate them and it's only oh, yeah. 10 points and everything else. Their January is just catastrophic and I'm very much looking forward to talking about how Rangers take advantage of that. Well, the three uh, of the three matches, <laughs> um, the three games in hand, the nine points, they took one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, went well. But we've got all of that to look forward to. Rangers will get back in form. There is still one more disappointment to come, of course, in the Cup. But uh, hopefully that'll be something we can discuss calmly because at that point we have a nice silver trophy to look forward to getting. Stevie, thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. It's a real pleasure. I hope that um, everybody's continuing to enjoy this series. We'll be back next week, so until then, folks, enjoy. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.